Morning. <clears throat> Morning, everyone. Everyone. So, uh, finance teaching. Um, again, why do we do the finance teaching? It's like a, it's like a EKG machine for our hearts where we test the condition of our heart and just to see what comes out. Jesus usually used it to, he said something and then you'd kind of think for yourself, ooh, what's that making me feel? And the feelings you're having there, that kind of tells you where you, where you are in your heart and how you're feeling towards God. So I want to talk about um, asking from God and is asking from God. What, what does the Bible say about that? And so I want to read a verse. It says, Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And I think the verse, or, or what we're getting out of this is, God is good. God is a good Father, and he gives good gifts. But I want to go a bit further, because that doesn't mean anything I ask for is everything I'll get. And um, so who have you said in their heart, Lord, I just want enough money not to worry. I just, I just want enough not to worry. Or I just want enough for X, Y, and Z. And if I can afford X, Y, and Z, then I'm, then I'm fine. And the men especially, I don't know if you've been in conversations, do this, you'll get a passive income, you get money while you sleep, and then you're fine. You're good. And uh, I just want to say, and that, that's a question I ask myself, Am I asking God to be dependent for him? Or am I asking God to be independent from him? And I think that's something we can really, really consider and really think about our asking. Is it, are we asking God for, for stuff in our lives that would keep us attached to him? Or are we asking, God, give me so that I can have and I walk away from you. Thanks, I got what I want from you, but now I'm on my own. And... There's a, there's a proverb we spoke about on Friday evening, very wise guy, and he said, two things I ask of you, and this is now the Lord, two things I ask of you, do not refuse me before I die, keep deception and lies far from me, give me neither poverty nor riches, feed me with the food that is my portion, that I not be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord, or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of the Lord. Sorry, the name of God. And this is, a, this is a guy that had a lot, and he said, don't give me too much, that my belly would be full, and then I would forget you. And I think that guy's got the authority to say this. So I just want to leave you with that. Um, when you're asking, are you asking to be... I thought about it the other day. I think sometimes we ask for stuff, and then God kind of takes away in our life, but then <laughs> it's just to get us closer to him. And isn't that even, isn't that the best thing? That's the, that's the best prize. That is a, the faith which is more precious than gold. So uh, let me pray for us. Now God, thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for your love. I think, um, yeah, I think we all feel like the sinner that came into the church and
beat his chest and said, God, I'm a sinner. And um, yeah, I just want to ask you to, to see our hearts and see our dependence of you. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing we want more than you. There's um, nothing we can desire more than you. Um, yeah, you are all, you are everything. And I just pray for us when we ask, help us in our foolishness that we don't ask stuff um, that, uh, that, we don't, that we think we need, but that we don't need. Because all we really need is you, Lord. And uh, yeah, I just pray that for us. I pray for this morning. Pray for the finances. May it bless our church, bless our leaders, bless the people within the body. And to the end, that it just may bring glory to your name. Amen. So, Michael, my son, also always says I've got to come up with good clickbait topics to preach on. So that, uh, so that I can get more clicks on the, on the app that we loaded onto, right? So I try to title them so that people would look through all 45 preachers loaded up on a Sunday morning and would they click on me, you know? So uh, <laughs> um, sometimes it fills me with the insecurity because then I go like, was that good enough? So that everybody should listen to that. There's 5,000 people in Josh Jen. <laughs> so um, this morning, the title is, No Fake Love is Required. You think that'll work? No Fake Love is Required. So a bit of a lesson in love this morning. You know, I love these guys from Malpos that's just come to visit us. Uh, yeah, we go way back. And uh, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love you guys. I love, I love where God has brought me to. Um, we've been here for two years now. It feels like a flash. But I love you guys. I love this congregation. I also love coffee and pizza. You get that, huh? It's like the love word in the English language is so overloaded. It's so widely used that it could lose its meaning. Um, so God talks a lot about life in the Bible. So Romans 8 verse 38 to 39 says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a powerful statement about love. What is love? Here's one thing. It says love is extreme feelings of attachment, affection, and need. Dramatic, sudden feelings of attraction. The youth knows about that. And respect. I hope the married guys also know about that still. A fleeting emotion of care and affection and like. Uh, <laughs> it could be that. A choice to commit to helping, respecting, and caring for another, such as in marriage or when having a child. Those are deep ones, the long ones. So a little bit of a lesson of what is love. Love is an emotion, right? We all know that. It's an emotion. Here's the thing about love as an emotion. It's not a primary emotion. 
Now everybody just goes quiet. So this is the part where I want you to use the brain, right? Stay with me. So it's not a primary emotion. This is important stuff to know. So what is a primary emotion? A primary emotion are those things that immediately cause you to act. So if you experience a primary emotion, what is that? Fear, you run. Anger, you act. You know, you, your blood pressure goes up. Something happens. What are the other ones? Sadness, cry, disgust. Like, ugh. My wife says I must always look at my face. It's like if I, she says something, I'm like, I don't know what I do. But I, and there's a thing of you can't control always, unless you're really in control of your emotions. You can't control those primary emotions. They just happen. Love isn't like that. Love is more subtle. So the non-primary emotions, they're not, not real emotions. They're not, it's not like I mix these two emotions and then I get love. Love is a real emotion, but it's got underlying primary emotions that feeds into it. You get that? So it's a bit more complex. It's a little bit more subtle. What is it that you feel when you feel love? Well, you have to sort of dig down in that feeling and say, what caused this? could be different things. So let me give you examples. Trust. I hope love is full of, filled with trust for you guys. Because uh, it could be without trust. It could be just careless love. But trusting love would be better love, right? Joy. My children fill me with joy. It's love and joy mixed together. You get that. And not always. Huh? Sometimes, sometimes that love comes in anger, right? So what else? Anticipation. That's part of love. Anticipating another moment with my wife. It's like, I can't wait for that. It's love, you know? So you see there, love can also, those are the positive ones. Love can come as negative emotions. The opposite of love, hate. Sadness. Fear, anger. It's also love can come with those underlying things. It is very powerful. So here's something you do need to know about love. And love makes your blood pressure go down. That's a good thing. Ask the doctors. Blood pressure going down. It's do unless you've got low blood pressure. Yeah. <laughs> but in general, it's a good thing. It makes you feel high. Isn't it? Almost. It's love lifts us up where we belong. Where do they get that? It does. It's true. That's why they sing it. Everybody sings that with it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but hate, the opposite of love. That actually gets your body to secrete a thing called cortisol. Cortisol does the following to you. Stop me when I go wrong. It goes up, lets your blood pressure go up. It makes your gut stop. So your digestive system stops working well. Um, what else? It actually causes quite a lot of stuff. It, it, it makes your heart beat faster. It's the stuff that when you're afraid, it makes your breathing go shallower. It can cause weight gain. Hmm? Girls? <laughs> there we go there's a bunch of stuff google it you can google this google cortisol and what it does to you if you have too much of it in your body and what it, it's really dangerous so actually 
not having love is bad for you, bad for your health. Love is good for you, and the opposite is actually bad for your health. Do you get that? This is an important thing. This is a powerful thing in our lives. Love is not just an emotion. It is an absolute intrinsic important part of your life. You have to get, have love. You have to experience it. Not sometimes, all the time. As an, as an emotion, you have to more, have more love than, than the opposite of love. So it's vital. God is love. How about that? Uh, where's that scripture? Let me see if I can find it in my notes. Um, I can't. Um, <laughs> I actually don't know where I am in my notes now. Um, <laughs> but God is love. And uh, God is, you know, 1 John 4, right? Uh, is God is not only vital. God is absolutely necessary. So God isn't just a vital part. Love is a vital part. God's not a vital part. God is everything. So Paul wrote this. Paul wrote in Acts. He says, Acts 17 verse 28, he says, In him we live and move and have our being. There's a sense of without God, we are nothing. We can't even move. We can't live. So God's not just a vital part because he's love. God is Everything. Without God, we do not live or move. So, God is enough as well. That's the other part. You could go, well, do I have enough? God is enough. You know that, like, love is interesting. So, you don't only love people, you can love a place. Like, I love Otsurin. When I go away from Otsurin, I actually... Think about the place. <laughs> like we go away, we went to the Addo Park, and I was lying there going like, I like Otsurin more than this place, actually. P.E. Otsurin. I love Otsurin. You can f- have that feeling of love, like homesickness. That's a love lost, is homesickness. You know that God can even fill that. It's a little side note. Psalm 91 says... He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God fills even that sense of belonging, that sense of where is home. Actually, God is home. God is enough. If you get that, if you get that in your heart, If you allow your heart to feel that emotion, God becomes our stability. He becomes our home. Parental love. There's a strong force for you guys with kids. Tana, Michael, about to experience that. It's growing, isn't it, Tana? It's like you you feel it. It's like there's, there's a love that's inexplicable. Parental love. It's one of the strongest forms of love. It's necessary. Anas told us a story yesterday, which I won't repeat. <laughs> but you need love in some moments in your life. <laughs> the, the tent story. <laughs> Sometimes things happen with our children, which 
really, it's, we need so much love to overcome those moments and still love. And uh, <laughs> I'll tell you a story about Nathan rather. Ah. <laughs> yes, I will. When Nathan was really small, Nathan can test a man. <laughs> your, kid, your children can test you. This is similar to, to Ines' story. One morning, my wife and I in Melpost years were lying in our, in our bed in our bedroom. And from our bedroom, we had a view down a, a piece of passage. And then it had a 90-degree corner down the longer side of the passage. And uh, so we could see a little, little bit, and our door used to be just open. So one morning, we're lying in bed. It's probably a Saturday or something. And we're lying a bit later and chatting and stuff. And we hear Nathan was very small. Probably, what, two, maybe two on a bit. So he's out and roaming the house on his own. We hear him go, and he's very happy singing. So let it go. You know, your child does that. You let them go. They're happy. They're singing. And the next thing, Nathan comes down around the corner of the passage. And what does he have in his hand? A brush. And he's painting the walls of the passage with a brush. But it's not any brush. This is a toilet brush. And it's not a clean toilet brush. So he cleaned the toilet with a brush, which is a good thing to do, kids. And then he started painting our entire house with that toilet brush. In that moment, you as a parent need all the love that God has given you <laughs> just to survive the next half an hour of cleaning. <laughs> we still love you, Nathan. <laughs> Parental love. Strong. So... Sometimes some kids are a bit more challenging than others. So, you know, autism, a form that something that some kids are born with. So, these days we don't talk about absolutes. You know that. We talk about shades of or... So, in, in these things they talk about... Uh, what is it? They talk about spectrums. Yeah, spectrums of autism. Do you know what autism is? Autism, one of the things, definitions would be that it's a person that struggles to... Uh, to, to pick up the nuances of those non-primary emotions. So they feel all the primary emotions, all the things that make them act. They feel those very strong, but they don't understand, even pick up on those little subtle things like love. They don't, they, they don't have those social cues people talk about. They, they don't experience it as much, and they don't, can't give it. So... Imagine being a parent with an autistic child. And you love this child and everything, but they don't experience it. And they struggle to give it back. In fact, most kids that are higher up on the autistic, they'd start pushing their parents away from, from birth. Like, they don't like being that close. So even those, when those subtle emotions like love come, they, they don't interface with it well. And uh, so, you know that... Our love comes not so pure. Our love is not selfless. We give love, we expect love back. So those parents need to have special grace from God to keep on loving their children, even though they don't get anything back from them. They need special grace. 
And uh, without God, I don't know how people would pull that off. Because it's actually God that adds that love. God gives his love to us to supplement our love. So that when it's hard to love, when it's not just coming back at us, that God will fill those voids for us and enable us to love even then. The other thing is, we're a little bit all like autistic children to God. Yeah. We don't experience his love easily, and we don't give him much love often. So I think we're all on the autistic spectrum a little bit when it comes to love and God. And Hannah said this earlier when, during worship. It's, you know what? He feels this morning that we need to understand something that's vital for us. I think it's vital for us to understand this, to actually get God's love for us. God's love for us is, is what we live and breathe. It makes you alive. And without it, you don't move and live. We need to break through the autistic spectrum when it comes to God. So, God's love, it's unconditional. What does that mean? I wish I could say my love for my wife was unconditional. It just isn't. <laughs> I wish I could say. It doesn't mean I'm not working at it. I am working at it to make it more unconditional. Here's, here's, a, here's a clue, though. Your wife doesn't want unconditional love. You think, do you think your wife wants to love you unconditionally, Thomas? <laughs> do you think so? I don't think so. This is what unconditional love looks like. I don't need you to love me. I just love you. Do you want your wife to tell you that? I don't need you. I just love you. No? No. We want to be needed. <laughs> we are almost incapable of giving unconditional love. We don't even think we would like it. God's love is that pure. God's love is unconditional. He does, literally does not need us to love him. That's something we need to get in our heads, that that is actually the purest form of love. It is foreign to us. We, we, we can't experience it. We can't express it. We would feel that if I express unconditional love, it's not real love. But God's love is like that. God's love is unconditional. How do I know that? Romans 5 verse 8 says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says while we were enemies of God, while we were fighting against him, while we were doing everything, while we were hating God, God died for us. 1 John 4, 9 to 10 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. What was most precious to him, to the father, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him to give us life. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And conditional it surpasses our understanding 
bigger than us. Can't get it. It's despite my flaws, despite what I do, despite the fact that in God's house I walk around with a toilet brush, right? God loves me. Just despite that. So that I can be redeemed. So that I can have a relationship with him. Something that I, I don't even want when I don't know God. He, he died for that so that I can experience love because I need it. God's love has the power to change you. You're going to have to let him mix it up a bit though. That prophetic word of the coffee being stirred. When we experience love, we become attached. So I'm attached to my wife. I'm attached to my children. I've, I've got an emotional attachment with her. That means that I change easy. We move together. We're in a dance together through life. And you need the same thing with God. You actually need to form an emotional attachment with God. You know, a lot of us grew up with this thing that church shouldn't be emotional. Like the moment that it becomes emotional, I'm going to clutch out. I'm going to walk away. I don't want to feel emotion in church. Don't just stir me with this emotional stuff. We want it all up here. All in the head. That is not a relationship with God. The root of everything that went wrong was knowledge. (laughs) So... God's love has the power to change you. It says it's his love that brings us to repentance. His love opens the window for us to see, shines the light on, oh my hat, I need help. Ephesians three seventeen to 19 says, this is Paul writing to the Ephesians. He says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. That's a grown-up love. Rooted and established in love. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. There's that again. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, bigger than my own, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That is amazing. Filled. God's love will change you. It will fill you with the measure of God. To the fullness. Fullness. Like full of God. That's what God's love wants to do for you. What does it do? If you embrace it, it's giving yourself to it. If you let it get into you, if you allow it to stir these emotions, we're talking about testing the heart. If you allow it to get into you and, and stir emotions and a response to God, it will heal you. It'll, it'll make the world a better place for you. All those broken emotions, all those things, it'll empower you to do what? To love God's children. Because we have to love people that we don't normally love. Who's that? 
the person sitting next to you right now. <laughs> Even your wife <laughs> and your friend. God's love will empower you to love. The person maybe sitting behind you or in front of you today. Right? Regardless, just love. It's not natural, guys. That's not what the world does. It's risky. It's risky. So, one of the things for Otsurin today is I got some feedback. Guys, from, not from Hannes. <laughs> Earlier, I'm going to get feedback from him later. <laughs> we do that. But I got some feedback from other guys that visited us. They said they didn't feel so welcome. Hmm. <laughs> they said that on the, they, they visited and they, nobody really welcomed them when they walked in through our door. Um, they said they did go to Beans afterwards and they could see that there were some other people visiting with them that didn't feel included. In fact, because they're all Josh Jenners, they included people into conversations that we didn't do. That's not nice feedback, is it? It's not showing God's love. So we definitely need some more love. That, that I know. So I'm going to short teaching, short little notes on how to meet visitors, right? I can teach you how to meet visitors. Be at the door, right? Be at the door. Look out for them. Come to church earlier. <laughs> right? Don't come at 10 past when I say, hey, let's all find our seats. Welcome, Justin. It's too late. Because the visitors are here, they don't know that Justin comes late. So they are at 10, 2, quarter 2. And you know what? It's a little bit intimidating walking into a hall where you don't know anybody, especially if nobody brought you. So... They sort of like, where's a cup of coffee? You go sit down. That's what I would do. Somebody needs to come to the visitor and say, welcome. Take their hand, look at them in the eye. And now there's a couple of things that I can teach you. Like, you know what? Don't talk too much. Ask them questions. Look interested in what their answers are. Like engage, you know, look them in the eye, ask them follow-up questions. Where are you from? How long have you been there? It's simple stuff, guys. Right. I can, there's a whole bunch of other things that they'll teach you in communication. Don't want to talk. Listen. Yes. I'm going to tell nobody cares. What I've just said. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody needs fake love. What I'm going to tell you is, forget everything I've just said. Be interested. Don't look interested. Be interested. People don't want fake interested. Because Darby taught us how to greet people. This is how we're going to do it. We don't need that. There's enough of that. Be real. Love for real. 
Nothing beats being really interested. You won't talk too much in a conversation if you're interested in what the other person is going to say. It won't be a chore to, I can, I can say in our congregation, and this is something I think we do well. When somebody's sick, we take them food. When somebody has a baby, we have a, have a dukkha braai and a baby shower and a thing. Right? We do that well. But we have to do this because we really love one another. Not because it's the right thing to do. Nobody cares about the right thing to do. I don't want you to come and visit me because it's the right thing to do. I want you to come visit me because you want to. Because we have real love for one another. Nothing beats real love. We all need God's love. Love is not just an emotion. Love is also a command. Right? Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, everything you have. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Command. It's like prescriptive, isn't it? We don't like that. But like the doctor would give you prescriptions, God knows what is good for us. So he's giving us this pull of love. He's saying, take it all the time. It's prescriptive. Why? It, we need it. It's vital. I started with that. Without love, you get sick. Your immune system breaks down. Your blood pressure goes up. Your stomach stops working. You gain weight. Huh? That's enough to want to love. <laughs> 1 John 4 verse 21. And he gave us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Guys, we have to get God's love so that we can love one another. Is it, is it ringing something in your heart, that test that Stephen was talking about earlier? Is, it, is there something in your heart that's going, oh, I, I need to grow in this? Huh? Is it, are you getting this? Is, it, is there something of a response, like an emotional thing? God, oh, I, need, I need you, God. God so loved the world that he died for you. Oh, that's big. Why don't we love? Fear and insecurity. Fear of what? Well, none of us have perfect parents. So right there we have some fear. Fear that I'll not be a perfect dad. Fear that if I reach out to others that I'll have the same experiences that I had maybe with my parents, definitely with some friends or non-friends. Huh? You remember those youth? You're still in that, in school. All those people that you face every, every day when you go to school, and some of them, some of, somehow that's decided not to like you. But that leaves a mark. It leaves a scar. It's injuring you. And now you fight that scar the rest of your life. Or not. So the great news is for you guys, 
You've come to the right church. Don't be injured. Let God heal it immediately. Like a plastic surgeon, you don't need to carry a scar. If you take those things that happen to you straight to God, to us still, the older guys, still, when we take those experiences right then to God, He heals it immediately. He, he, his love is covering those things. He says, love covers a multitude of sins, right? If we carry so much of God's love that nothing can hurt you, that it'll bounce right off you because you know what? I love you so much it doesn't matter what you do because of what God's done for me. Then we become a little bit less injurable. Is that a word? It is now. (laughs) We don't need to be afraid of loving. Not if we carry God's love. We don't need to be insecure because it's not about me. Who cares if people love me back? I do. You do. (laughs) So it's not a true statement. We do. But we don't have to be insecure in it. Find your security in your Father. God loves you. God loves you. You can be secure in that. Find your security in that. Your Heavenly Father loves you regardless. Unconditional love. He loves the people that never accept Him. God loves everybody. It breaks his heart when we sin. It breaks his heart when we don't come to him. He died for us. He he paid the ultimate price for us so that we can experience his love, so that he can break through those layers of hurt and, 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 and scarring and stuff and fix us. But be secure in God's love. God loves you. So now you can love others with security. 1 John 4 verse 18 says this. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. God wants to drive out fear and bring security to our lives. His love brings comfort, it brings, brings peace, it brings freedom. All those negative things that I was talking about. Love is a vital part of your life. You know, when somebody, when somebody passes away, Manu lost her brother-in-law, we experience sadness and loss. It's part of, and fear even. That's on that negative spectrum of love for us to experience. Even though it's connected to somebody we love, we need God's love then to fill those voids. That is when you need God's love in your heart because it fills that part and brings you back into wholeness. When we lack love for one another, when we lack love for the guy down the road, the neighbor that plays music too loud, then uh, 
you need God's love to fill that void. Understanding God's love is essential. It's essential. It reveals to us who God is. It restores us and gives you a true identity in him. So, this morning, you could be sitting here and saying, I don't know that love. I haven't experienced it. Maybe you've come to church a lot, but there's no emotional response. There's no, all of us know what it is to love something. We've all at least once loved something. And it, it is an emotional response. You need to feel that towards God. When we worship him this morning, do you feel an emotional response? Do you feel overwhelmed at times with God's love? If you're sitting here and you're saying no, then maybe you don't know God. Maybe you need to actually come to God and say, God, I want to experience you. God, I want to have this real personal relationship with you. God wants to have that relationship with you this morning. That is why he sent his son to die for you. He's all in. So if that's you this morning, if you're sitting here and you're going, I, I don't know God like that. I don't feel about God like that. And let's start here. If you've never come to God and said, God, I want to know you. I want you to be the king of my life, the Lord Rule my life. Here's the thing. If you're willing to say, God, you can prescribe things to me. You can command me. It was there. Because it comes with that. If you're saying, God, you can command me. I will listen. If that's you this morning, I would like everybody to close their eyes. And then if you want to respond, I'd like you to put up your hand this morning. God, I need your love. God, I need your love. Thank you. That's the first group of people. And we'll pray together now. But the second group would be this. You need God's love to come into you this morning and settle you. Give you that identity that you need and fill you to overflowing. If that's you, I'd also like you to respond. So we can pray together. If that's you, put up your hand. Thank you. Yeah.
And then, as I pray for us, I'll include all of us in, into that, into the prayer as well. Because we all need God's love, even if we understand it. We need to be stirred. We need to put, be put under pressure so that something of God's flavor that he has put in you, that he has destined you to be, would come out. Yeah, Father God, this morning, we come boldly into your throne room, Lord, as your children. Father, I pray, Father, first of all, for those of us, Lord, that responds to, Father, we need your love desperately, Lord. We need you to to make us feel emotion. Father, we want to open our hearts. Father, I pray for each person that, that you would come with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and enable them to open their hearts. Father, I pray for supernatural healing of wounds. Supernatural healing. Father, may, that you would come, Lord, and touch hearts right now. And where there are scars, that you would come and remove those scars. That you would make whole again. Father, I ask for boldness, fearlessness to enter our hearts. That we would be able to love boldly, fearlessly. Father, that we would lay down our lives and make you more important than us. Father, yeah, for all of us, I would like to pray this morning, this prayer. Father, thank you that you give us unconditional, overflowing love. Thank you that every morning your mercies are new. That you love us, that you guide us. That you keep on knocking on that door of our hearts for us to open. Father, I pray that we would have the ability and boldness to open the door to you every day of our lives. And that you would come and overflowingly fill us with your love and your spirit this morning. Father, I pray that we, as your church, would overflow with your love to the world and that people would truly look at us and say, there is something different to us. Father, we want to carry you to overflowing. Amen. Amen.